So today I had a chance to be on a podcast other than my own, so that was pretty cool. Eric Qualman has a great podcast called The Super U, capital letter U. And not only is is he got a great podcast, but he's also a best-selling author, five times number one best-selling author and keynote speaker. He's performed in over 55 countries and reached 50 million people. He's voted the second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. I have to agree with that. A super nice guy. He really genuinely cares about the, the story behind every human and just being kind. And he's also a technologist and a futurist, so he's got some great opinions and whatnot that we touch on a lot of them here. So enjoy this episode of me asking Eric some questions and then Eric asking me some questions. Definitely a little break from my normal episode, but I think you'll enjoy it. Calling in from Buford, Georgia, we have Chris Whitaker, channel program chief and podcast host of The Wireless Way. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris, for joining the show. Welcome. And we love having thought leaders on like you, because if you have a question, then other people are going to have the same question. And so hopefully... From our research and also just being able to interview some of the top thought leaders in the world, we're able to provide an answer for the group here. So we'll let you fire away with your first question. Excellent. Thank you. And I feel like some of these topics you you, you have touched on in the past or somewhat, but I'd like to get your renewed uh, view on these. And this first one, this first question comes from the position of a father of four millennials, and I love them all to death, and I'm just very fortunate to have a great relationship with them. But you know, raising kids uh, this day and age with social media. So what, what's your opinion on the future of our society when it comes to social skills, conflict resolution, and being able, being able to make new friends? You know, it's going to be different. I mean, depending on what generation that you grew up in, I know that my generation was the world was going to implode because everyone was watching MTV. And so it's really about understanding that there's always new technology. And my hope is that with these tools, if used correctly, it can help bring the world together because we can understand each other more. That being said, is it's always that combination of the Flintstones and the Jetsons, that it's impossible to replace that face-to-face. There's biology behind it. There's some oxytocin transfer like that feel-good hormone or the love hormone just by getting that hug or shaking hands or fist bumping, whatever your preference is, is that it's really that combination between the two. So the more we can kind of pass that on to future generations, and and they inherently will do it just because it's in our DNA, as mentioned, but uh, kind of showing them versus telling them. Um, I know as a father of four, you've got a father, four kids, is you've probably learned that uh, they don't always listen to what you say, but they watch kind of what you do. And so any way we can help them out will be great. And also we can learn from these kids too with uh, social out there. But the short answer is that it's a good tool. Like there's some bad things that are happening out there with these tools. They're not all great, but it's really about understanding how to use them in the proper way and helping each other learn from each other as we move through this to, to help each other as much as possible. 
Excellent. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. You know, and along that same line, I'm in an industry like like most business and sales organizations that really thrived on. And much like you, I recall hearing in a, a recent episode, one of your podcasts talking about how you were on the on the plane, you know, always flying all around the world doing events. Well, obviously, since March, we haven't done that. And a lot of businesses and sales organizations really rely on the in-person event, whether it be the expo or the conference or face-to-face meetings. So what advice do you have for, for us that thought that that was everything and, and we're having to adapt and overcome? What options do we have? Yeah, I mean, kind of test some things out to see what works and what doesn't work. And so at some point, we're going to have live face-to-face meetings again. And so it's not wait around for that to happen again because you already have that mm-hmm. skill set. And so when that comes back, then you can reapply that skill set. But it's really about taking advantage of what can be a win here. What's a silver lining? Oh, wait, I can meet with five clients today because I could do it digitally. Or as the world comes to some kind of normal, okay, great. I've got two in-person meetings scheduled, but now I can do three that are remote. One's a walking meeting where we're not going to see each other. And then two are Zoom because they want to see me because everyone's different. And so it's really trying to figure out what's that balance, what works for you as well. And so if you do not like doing Zoom meetings, then there's probably a lot of other people that you can reach out to that also don't like that. And so now you have a deeper shared connection because you're connecting on both your terms. And so whatever that looks like, how you want to get together, whether that's your socially distance, physically standing six feet apart, whether that's on the phone, whether that's through email, you know, figuring out what works for, for both parties. And so there's enough people on this planet closing at 8 billion that allows you to probably find people that might be better partners, not just because you can physically meet with them, but because psychographically you align better. So try to look for those kind of wins, those shared interests. Excellent. No, I like how you said it. You know, don't wait for normalcy to come back. You know, someone told me once you have to adapt and overcome and as one of my one of my guests one time said, you know, innovate or die. So pretty extreme, but you know, it, it, uh, when you're looking at cells, you almost feel like you're going to die if you're not making the cell. Uh, yeah, innovate or die. We don't know why this is happening for us. Like instead of this is happening to me, it's like happening for me. And that doesn't mean you're a Pollyanna. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. It's about understanding that a, if you just go to that dark side, that's not helping anybody. Just kind of wallowing. And B is that what is a win here? What's happening for me? So that when we look back a year, hopefully it's less than that. Hopefully it's a couple months, but let's say it's a year from now. We look back and go, oh, I didn't realize it in the moment, but that forced me to do this. And that is so much better. That would have never happened for, or it might've happened five, 10 years down the road. But because of that pandemic, it pulled it forward and it made me do X which now looking back is actually a good thing. Absolutely. And that's glad, I'm glad you ended it that way because it kind of dovetails into my next question. So it's kind of changing gears, more of that career advice kind of question. You know, looking over your background and, you know, you work for corporate America and you're a marketing professional, you know, was there a decisive point where Equal Man was born or was Equal Man always there and he just had to break out? I mean, where was that? When did you know you were going to do your own thing? No, it's a great question. I would say in my instance, it was probably more evolution than revolution. And so for some of you listeners out there, that's not your DNA. That in your DNA, you have to kind of 
burn the boats, right? To go take on that island. So you mm. got to leave that boat behind. But for a lot of us, and you'll hear that from some, some thought leaders out there, they're trying to give you a one size fits all recipe that, oh, an entrepreneur would never work for a big company or they'd never go to school. They would never go to a four-year university. That's just not in the entrepreneurial spirit, which is completely false. And so there's a lot of people that are like that. They're hardwired like that. But then there's a lot of people that are like me, where it's more evolution rather than revolution. And so I actually resisted being called equal man for many years because I kind of hated it because in corporate America, I was made fun of like, oh, equal man, he's super strong. He can do the extra work this weekend. Oh, you need the coffee? Well, equal man's super fast. He can go get it. And what happened for <laughs> my shift in career was that I wrote a book called Social Nomics. That's the first book that I wrote. And then the publisher wanted me to speak at a book expo. And at this point in time, I didn't speak necessarily around like my topics in front of large audiences. But since I had been the head of marketing at Travel Zoo and the founder of Travel Zoo is German, I was kind of baptism by fire. I had to face the press and also Wall Street with him. So I got accustomed, kind of trained for the media side of things. And then, so when I got up there at the stage and spoke at that event, there was someone that happened to be in the audience that came up and said, hey, I don't know what you do for a living, but you should consider speaking on stage about your books. I go, you can make a living doing that? And they go, yeah. And I go, that sounds awesome. Uh, but I didn't quit my job right away. I just kind of straddled for four years. And I'm telling this story because I think all of us are living the same movie. We're just different actors and actresses. And so the easy thing to do is to quit a job that you hate. So I'm not speaking for people out there because if you hate your job, just quit it. Okay. I mean, that's easy for me to say because you have bills to pay, but that's one of the more, that's one of the easier decision processes. There's a lot of you out there that actually enjoy your job. And I always liked my job and I could have been happy my whole career working for the great companies that I was blessed to work for. Uh, but when I got there and spoke, then I realized that that was kind of a calling that, okay, how do I figure out how to do this full time? And again, I would have been perfectly happy staying in corporate America. I had wonderful mentors and, and, and teammates. And so I'm telling that story because at some point there might be an itch within you out there that it's like, okay, now it's time for me to go and do this other thing. This is a different season. And so that was my process. It was more evolution rather than revolution. Um, and so some of you out there listening, that might be your path as well. And so hopefully that helps by me telling that story. No, thank you, Eric. That was helpful, and it spoke to me as well, so that was good timing. So once again, changing gears, and where time is limited, I'm uh, somewhat of a you know, technologist myself. I love you know, using social media, and I love using technology, and that kind of bleeds into something I'm currently on a journey, which is the Internet of Things and how it helps add value to people's lives, how it's solving business problems, and it's you know, a lot of futuristic stuff. You mentioned the Jetsons earlier. <laughs> Do you have a particular IoT solution that you believe is a game changer and you're looking forward to seeing it evolve or is it already available? Yeah, I mean, Internet of Things. So for the audience, it's basically machines talking to machines uh, for an oversimplified definition of it. And so what I'm going to say a lot of times would not necessarily be categories. People don't think of IoT right away when I say this is self-driving cars. And so the cars mm -hmm. are going to communicate with each other. They communicate with a bus. They communicate if I have a smartphone on a bicycle. So if I'm biking and my smartphone's on me to communicate to the car that there's a biker up ahead. 
uh, with lights. And so it's, you know, if, if we continue to have lights, that's a whole nother conversation. When you look at the wild future, that if you have self-driving cars, you don't necessarily need street lights. Uh, but that's a whole nother debate. But mm. the reason I like that, all new technology that I like is I inherently go, what removes friction? And so that removes a lot of deaths that occur because frankly, we're not very good at driving. And so humans just aren't very good at driving. So it makes it safer. And then most important, the second most important thing, that's the most important thing. The second most important thing is that it gives me time. So if I want to drive, kudos, go ahead and drive it. it they'll let you do that for some time. I don't know how long they'll let you drive for, but uh, I would think in the, the, the far out future that no one's going to be driving, but it gives me time. So now I'm going on that eight hour road trip. I sit at my circular table. So the car is redefined. It's a circular table and I get to spend time with my kids. So I'm not, I'm not driving or I'm going on a business trip. Now I can work for those eight hours in the car. I don't have to drive. So that's the one that has me most excited. And I grew up in Detroit. So I know people get upset. They're like, no, I love driving. I go, they're going to let you drive. They're going to have a switch for many years where if you want to drive, you can drive. Don't, don't, don't be too concerned about that. But in time, they'll finally shut that off, I would think. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a fantastic answer. And with 5G uh, right around the corner, you know, so talk about it all the time, all day long. And, you know, with the low latency that that's promising and we're seeing initial tests and all, I, I see possibly in our lifetimes, Eric, we're going to see that. Of course, yeah. there's already some now, but they're, yeah, they're not widely available and they're on private tracks today usually. Yeah. That's the hope. I mean, one of the things that's going to slow the growth is that it's the number one in the United States, it's the number one employer. And so it's trying to figure out how quick you move this. So the technology, let's say, let's say the technology's there, that it's already there, that the acceptance might take some time. And that's why we sometimes say in the space as futurists that technology adoption is slow until it's fast, meaning that it's available, it's ready. But when the world's ready is often when it becomes available. And so trying to figure out that quagmire of if you turn this on overnight and you got rid of the number one employer, the number one job in the United States, which is a driver, that could be tricky. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But great question. I love it. No, excellent. And my last question, and I wasn't even sure if I wanted to open this one up, but uh, I'm curious in your answer. There's a lot of buzz around big tech, you know. So in your opinion, I mean, are we at a at a uh, maybe a crossroads of a change, you know, where social media, some of the social media giants out there are doing what they think is right for their business or what their their values and met, uh, morals values are. And then you have, you know, a certain part of the their customer base not so happy about it. I mean, you think just for example, like I said, Facebook might be replaced by something new, kind of like MySpace was back when my kids were younger. Uh, or, you know, how Parler kind of swooped in uh, for a brief time for that Twitter uh, period. I mean, What's your thoughts on that? Well, first, every company is a digital company. If you're not, you're done. I mean, every company is today inherently a digital company. Otherwise, you're not going to be around in five years. Now, specific to social media, we're social animals by nature. If you look at the data, the number one commonality that people have that live to be 100 years old is they're surrounded. They have a good set of social friends, um, physical as well as now in this age, digital. So it's really in our DNA that we're social animals. So social media is not going away. And for sure, Facebook will go away. I just don't know when. Like if I knew that, I'd have a couple of helicopters here at my house uh, <laughs> being able to predict that. But it's really about, 
I know for sure Facebook will go away. I just don't know when. And it should take a little more time than a MySpace because once you have a network effect like a Facebook, the switching cost can be quite high because if you have closing in on 2 billion people on the same network is that that switching costs a little bit higher. If you look at Peloton, their sales have shot up because everyone's now working at home is that they do sell physical bikes. So people think that they're selling hardware, but really their, their business model is really that software as a service. It's a month to month subscription model that's all built on the network that I can compete with other people. So that's really their secret sauce is that scale of the network itself, having those people, those connections. So the short answer is social media will be around forever. It'll look different today, tomorrow than it does today. And Facebook will definitely go away. The question's not if, the question's when, but that's why Facebook's been doing smartly. It's gotten them a little bit of hot water in Washington because they basically buy out their competition. But that's why they've purchased Instagram. That's why they've purchased WhatsApp. And so it'll be fascinating for see how this all plays out, to be honest. Yes, you're right. When you bundle more solutions and more applications under one umbrella, you know, we always like to say it kind of makes it sticky. You know, it's harder for a consumer to want to, you know, boycott a, a logo necessarily when it's touching multiple parts of their life. Very interesting. Well, that's it for me, Eric. I really appreciate uh, you answering those questions. No, thanks for calling in. This has been wonderful. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because you're going to have some great insights that's going to help our users as well. And first of all, thank you so much for serving. I know that you are in the U.S. Army Airborne Infantry, man, if I understand that correctly. So thank you for your service. It was my pleasure. Uh, my main qu- first question I have for you is, well, first of all, thanks for listening to the Super You podcast. Is there a particular episode as our listeners try to work through all of them that kind of stood out for you? Which one, what's been one of your favorite up Super You podcast episodes? Wow. Wow. That, that, that is, you know, it's kind of like, which was my favorite kid in a way, but uh, I would say de- definitely for me, the one that has spoke to me, speaking of being a kid was your episode where you went over, you know, the, the seven tips from Mr. Rogers you know, and it kind of spoke to my whole lifelong philosophy of how to be happy in life. You know, it's just to be kind and, and, uh, you know, being a good listener and being a sales guy that loves to talk, I'm constantly have to remind myself of that. <laughs> Listen more than I speak. So it, I struggle with that even to this day, but boy, and that's why having a podcast, uh, has helped me do is to just ask a question shut my mouth and just listen to the answers and just really absorb and, you know, look for the, the lesson. I believe everyone has a story to tell that's worth being told. Oh, no, that's great. And yeah, Mr. Rogers, one of my favorites. And he always said, look for the helpers, look for the helpers out there. And uh, you're exactly right. It's good advice from our parents that all gave us, you know, you have two ears and one mouth and there's a reason for that. So that's absolutely that's sage <laughs> advice as well. Um, other advice. What's some of the best advice you've ever been given? Hmm. Go, again, going back to my senior year in high school, I was in the junior reserved officer training corps. Some of you may know that as ROTC, living near a military base. That's pretty common. And we had a senior army instructor named Colonel Bowers. And every time you saw Colonel Bowers, you know, of course, if you were a cadet, you salute him. Good morning, Colonel Bowers. How are you doing? fantastic Whitaker. I'm doing fantastic. Great, man. All right. You know, then one day I see him get out of his truck in the morning and he was, uh, again, the, the army instructors for high school, generally retired officers. 
and uh, he was a Vietnam veteran and he's getting out of his truck and he's kind of moving really slow. And I see him, he doesn't even stand up all the way. And I'm walking out to the parking lot to, to greet him. And good morning, Colonel Bowers, how are you doing? Fantastic, Whitaker, doing fantastic. And I said, sir, I, I'm sorry, but you don't look like you're doing too fantastic. You know, do you need any help? Is there anything wrong? And, and he says, Whitaker, let me tell you, you know, you, that is a powerful word. Even though I, I, you know, tweaked my back last night and I hit my head on the corner of the shelf and I got a little bit of a cold, I'm doing fantastic. And the more I say it, the straighter I'll stand and the better I feel. And at the time I thought, okay, this guy's crazy. But as I grew older, I've, I've just really embraced that. And, you know, maybe you could call that PMA, positive mental attitude, or, you know, whatever you say it is, it is. I mean, there's a lot of things I think that touch on that, but, you know, just having a good attitude and being grateful and just, you know, he was always, I think he would say something like, as long as I put my feet on the ground, you know, I got a chance. So uh, Colonel Bowers gave me some lifelong advice. It was pretty simple, but it really formed and shaped a lot of my, my career and success. No, it's timeless advice. I love Colonel Bowers. I always want to meet, meet the guy. And I love the acronym because the, the armed forces have a ton of acronyms, but PMA, positive mental attitude. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, it did, did jog a memory that, you know, it's the old saying, like when people say, how are you doing? You say outstanding, but I hope to do better this afternoon. I love yeah. that one. That's a good, that's a good, yeah. I'm going to have to steal that one. I like that one. Yeah. How are you feeling? Outstanding, but I hope we're going to get better this afternoon. So that's great. Now, excluding my Super U podcast or books, what's your favorite in your podcast, of course? Yes. What's been one of your favorite books or podcasts that you would like to share with the listeners? Hmm. Well, being, uh, you know, a very outgoing type A person, sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm attracted to things that don't take a lot of time. So I, I like those, some those, those 15 minute little snippets, if you will. So Mike Rowe, the way I heard it is, is another one of my favorites. Uh, it's very reminiscent and Mike Rowe would tell you it's, uh, was inspired by Paul Harvey, you know, uh, he would always tell this great story that would really captivate you and make you wonder who is he talking about? And then at the very end, or go, and that's how Ronald Reagan became president. You know, now you've heard the rest of the story. So Mike Rowe, of course, does the same thing. He tells these great inspirational, short 10, 15 minute stories. And he ends it with, well, that's the way I heard it. So I always like that one. Um, that's been a good one for me. And then I'm currently reading a book that my son gave me uh, by Ryan Holiday, um, The Ego is the Enemy. And man, it's just really uh, a very interesting topic that, you know, especially with someone that's always trying to be very confident and believe in yourself, you know, trying to find that fine line between being, you know, an egomaniac and, and just being super confident, you know? So it's uh, it's been about three quarters of the way through it. So it's been an interesting book. I highly recommend any Ryan holidays got some good stuff out there. No, it's great. So that's the way I heard it by Mike Rowe. And uh, I listen to Mike Rowe's podcast. That's the way I heard it. It's great. Paul Harvey he used to say, as you mentioned, and that's the rest of the story. story. So Paul was out of Chicago radio show. And it's funny, my dad was in marketing for General Motors. So they were trying to advertise on Paul's show, the rest of the story, or that's the, you know, that, that's the mm -hmm. rest of the story. And so Paul goes, you have to come down and meet with me because I've got to meet everyone that's going to advertise. Oh, man. And so my dad said it was fantastic. He just was in the office and Paul's there and his team of two. So this is before podcasts, it's all radio. And they had a great conversation. And so it's funny. I remember running into Paul Harvey at Disney World as a kid. And so my dad and him were, were chatting. But 
that's pretty cool when you think about it, that he wouldn't, his integrity was that he wouldn't allow, even if they had the money, because I have to meet with you first to figure out what you're selling, why you're selling it, and is it a good fit for my audience? Can you imagine that? Just taking the time to do that. It's crazy. Yes, um, but yeah, that does speak a lot to that time, that era, and yeah, his 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 own belief system. That is that is pretty inspirational too. Yeah, in the book Ego is the Enemy, so that's by Ryan Holiday. So Ryan's also in Austin, Texas, where we're coming from to you live right now. And he Ego is the Enemy. It's interesting because you enjoyed that book. I was just listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast when Tim's out of Austin, Texas now as well. Same with Elon Musk. But Tim was interviewing Michael Phelps, and that's on the top of his shelf, Ego is the Enemy, and gets Ryan's daily stoic email yes. every day. So it's going back thousands of years to learn from people before us. So that's great. Yes, it um, is. So that's really good. Is there a fun fact about you that everyone should know? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, again, in corporate America, you do all these trainings, and that's usually one of the questions. You know, tell us something about you that you know, we wouldn't guess or know. And the one that I, my go-to story is I actually performed with the Washington, Washington Symphony Orchestra, uh, Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture on the 4th of July. And most people look at me and they go, Chris, I didn't know you were a musician. You know, what, what did you play? Uh, you know, very seriously look at him and say, well, I played the canon. And if you know anything about Tchaikovsky's 1812 <laughs> Overture, you know, <laughs> and uh, I was in the presidential salute battery at the time and for a couple of summers had the honor. Now, I'm telling you what, there is probably nothing more patriotic being at the base of the Washington Monument, your dress blues on 4th of July, with that song playing, surrounded by just tens of thousands of people, fireworks going off, and uh, being a part of that performance. Um, yeah, one of my fondest memories and uh, kind of an interesting icebreaker story. Nah, that, that's amazing. And how hard's the timing on that? Easier than we think or harder than we think? Well, you'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't. It's uh, actually easier than you think because we actually have a, one of the conductors from the Washington Symphony Orchestra standing right next to the OIC in charge of the battery with sheet music, and he's telling them when to say fire. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it's very, very organized. We practice it a lot, um, and you know, there's gosh, several dozen times the cannons go off during that piece. But uh, pr pretty cool time. No, very cool, and very cool that you serve. Thank you so much, and. Thanks for all your, it's great to see all your success now in the business world. And so, Chris, how can people find out more about you? Real simple, um, www.thewirelessway.net. Uh, you can learn more about me, has links to my, my LinkedIn profile, and of course, to the podcast that's in its fourth month. And just having a blast about it, there's a way you can sign up for a newsletter. And um, that's it, wirelessway.net. Love it. The Wireless Way podcast. That's Chris Whitaker all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. So thank you for joining the Super U podcast, Chris. We appreciate it. Man, my pleasure, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for checking this special episode out with Eric Quammen from Super U podcast. Check out the rest of what the Wireless Way has to offer. And as always, please like, subscribe, comment, review, share, and if you have any suggestions or ideas of a future episode that I can do in the wireless way, love to hear from you. You can reach me at chris at thewirelessway.net.